0: Hello again, everyone. It is time once again for Spill It with Sunny. I am your host, Sunny Haas. And um, before we get started, I uh, just want to do the usual disclaimer uh, that there will be foul language. Uh, I don't imagine there's going to be a whole lot of uh, adult content past the foul language today, considering my topic uh, or topics, depending on what I can squeeze in. And... Uh, i am not uh i am not sponsored by anyone Uh, i'm going to mention a friend of mine that just started a business so we'll get to that in a minute um but i am not being sponsored by anyone i'm not being paid by anyone uh my opinions are my own Uh, i don't represent any entity other than myself and my own business uh which is a crafted culture if you have any questions about any of this, uh, and yeah, no, I still <laughs> I still haven't managed to get music on these, hopefully this one. Uh, but if you have any questions about, uh, I don't know, copyright, they're all going to be my music for a while. Um, if you have any questions about the show, if you want to chat with me about it or if you want to suggest uh something for for me to chat about or somebody to get on the show with me um or if you want to get on the show I would love to just even if I don't know you I would I like in person I would love to just chat with you (laughs) because it's easier this way because I'm kind of a recluse (laughs) um but yeah, you can contact me at A Crafted Culture All One Word A-C R A F T E D C U L T U R E at gmail.com. Or you can also find me at um, on Instagram. You can also find me on Instagram at Sunny Honey Hoss, all one word. That's S u n n y H u n n y H a a. S And now that I'm done with all that hullabaloo, let's move on and get on with the show. So it's been a month since my last show. I'm still trying to figure out, do I want to do this once a week? Do I want to do this every couple weeks? Do I want to do it once a month? Um, and right now... Uh, I am actually, I'm doing so much to try to get my shit together and really sort of you know move forward from this horrible, stagnant place. Um, I mean, where most of us are in it. I mean there's quite a few people I know that are still working through the pandemic. Uh, and great for them. Um, I'm sure some of them would, would like some paid time off, but uh, I, I know that it's not working that way for everyone. It's certainly not working that way for me. But rather than despair during the course of this time, I'm, I'm trying to do a lot of really creative, um, like forward moving forward thinking um, activities, like breaking old habits and creating new ones. Um, I mean, r- like down to putting my clothes away in the dresser. Like I just got my first dresser, like I I just bought my first dresser since I was 21. And that was 30 years ago. <laughs> so I just bought my first dresser after 30 years, and um, don't I? It, I was hanging a lot of it, and most of the time it was in a, a laundry basket because I really didn't have a whole lot of clothes. I used to be a um, little over 420 pounds. I'm Uh, at least 170 lighter than that now which you know isn't great in terms of uh most people's views but for me it's flipping amazing um so back in the day you know you really couldn't find a whole lot of decent decent plus size clothes it's it's really incredible i'm gonna take a little side detour here um <clears throat> because it's an important topic to me. And uh be, having grown up being a plus size person. By the way, let's just back up for just a second. The dresser. I'm putting my clothes away. And it's been a long time since I've been able to do that. And it feels really good. Because trying to create some sort of order in my life. um, Because I am a very chaotic person in that way. When it comes to my own stuff, I know where everything is. But it's under <laughs> It's like there's piles of things um I can't remember if i've rec- um, mentioned this in a previous episode, but I hired my beautiful friend across the street um for her first job. I asked her to uh to come and organize my office, which is a craft room slash office slash I don't even know what to call it anymore. It's it really should be my sewing room, which is which is what I'm working towards, and that ties into all this creativity talk. But uh, she organized it, and I think where both of us really didn't know how this should go was that she organized it in a way that made sense to her, <laughs> and you know she she labeled a few things, but for the most part, she just wanted shit put away. And I don't blame her. Uh, that's absolutely her style. She's very much a put your shit away kind of uh, young woman. But, uh, but now I go in there, and I can't find anything. And that's how I end up buying a lot of craft supplies that I don't need. And that's another thing. So craft supplies, shouldn't there be like smaller sample sizes? I mean, I know they want to sell a lot of whatever. But wouldn't you just love it if more often than not, you could just get like, like sample sizes of certain paints or glues or whatever. Cause you don't really need like this giant tub of, of Mod Podge or <clears throat> I think it's Mod Pod. <laughs> I can't remember. It's too early in the morning. Just leave me be anyway. <clears throat> so uh, I get to put my clothes away. I have a lot of clothes now because once I lost, uh, once I lost so much weight I mean as it is as you're losing that much weight I had gastric bypass so um anybody who tells you by the way that that is the easy route anybody who suggests that that is an easy way to lose weight is out of their fucking mind um it is not easy. It is under no circumstances easy. And the really, really hard part is keeping it off once you've lost the weight. Um, for me, it was less about aesthetics because I had way too positive of a mental image of myself. Like I, I literally saw myself at 420 the way I look right now. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah I had a a dysmorphia I guess to the the overly positive and that's not normally uh what one would ascribe to my views on myself but um but yeah so uh wow I had a point there and I I got so lost in it but um as you're losing all this weight uh you're losing it so rapidly that it's pointless to buy new clothes. But at the same time, it is a little exciting when you can first start buying clothes that are a lot smaller. And um, so that's exciting. And then all of the sudden, you've got this like almost overwhelming... Feeling of oh shit! I really wasn't prepared to have to replace my entire wardrobe and and how much that would cost, and um, how frustrating it would be because you know when you're going to the <laughs> when you're going to the the store there's always just you know these horrible boxy things and this was ah uh, my god it was almost it was ten years ago this this coming March uh, in 2021. It's been 10 years since I had the surgery. And yes, I have kept it off. And I've dropped down quite a bit more from my um, initial weight. Unfortunately, lockdown just... <laughs> just unfortunately uh, made me spring back up a little bit. and um, But I'm still at like my bottom weight from when I first lost it all. Not that you, <laughs> you're concerned. I think what I'm trying to say is... Um, the hard thing about gastric bypass really is like the first few weeks of having to adjust how you eat anything. Um, and and I'm not going to go into it. We'll go into the actual one of these days soon. I'm going to go into gastric bypass uh, conversation because it's something that um, many of my plus size friends have asked me about over the years and... I've tried to give them as much information as I could about whether or not they, it would be a good idea for them based on, uh, the massive lifestyle change that you have to go through and the struggles you have with your friends and your family, etc. Um, but again, getting back to <laughs> getting back to clothes, um, of course, once I lost all the weight, I just was. I just wanted to buy clothes. I just wanted to have decent clothes. And of course, I bought all these lovely, <laughs> I bought all these lovely clothes, like dresses and heels and all this stuff and moved out to Florida where I couldn't move. I couldn't wear any of it because it's basically um Orlando is a very, very casual place. Unless you're working. And You know, frustration uh, of having to buy a a specific wardrobe just for work. I mean, there, it really is just for work. Uh, You can go to a pretty nice restaurant and wear, you know, some cargo shorts and a a polo shirt. Not that I would. (laughs) No, sir. So, uh, so yeah, all these clothes that I bought were just kind of useless in Orlando. And, um, so I'm, you know, out here, and, you know, they're all outdated and everything. So I've tried to sell a bunch of them. But, um, what I find just crazy interesting because it goes back to how long it's been since I had this, um, is the, oh my God, the mind blowing, just cornucopia of of clothing that's out there now that includes my size. You know, um, I think actually my my current size is extra large. <laughs> so send in those t-shirts, everybody. Uh, my current my current base size is extra large. And my current like t- like ladies t-shirt size is still extra large um but i mean even once upon a time those were hard to find like i remember being 15 years old with giant tatas and a big caboose and trying to find um anything that fit because practically everything was made for skinny people no matter no matter what size it was and um and I could never find them. So fashion? No, 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 no. Me in high school? Not so much. No, not so much fashion. So, you know, fast forward to these days, to be able to get on Instagram, and, um, and I'm sure they're across various social medias. I'm, Uh, it's too much for me to like hang out and all the social medias. Instagram is my favorite. So, you you know, to be able to log on to Instagram and see... All of these people, I mean, I, I remember kind of watching uh, a company called Match Accessories. You should check them out, especially if you're a Disney fan. Um, they make super cute brooches and I think some earrings and they may even have uh, pins by now. I haven't been there for a bit, partly because I haven't had money to spend. So I try not to spend uh, too much eyeball time on places where I want to purchase their goods. Kim Bang... And, um, I'm going to have to put a, uh, I'm going to have to put a link to Kim's stuff because almost every time she posts something, my brain explodes. Uh, of course hers is artwork, but, but again, uh, all this clothing and accessories and, and is it accessories or accessories? I say they're accessories. Anyway, there's so much at, at, at our disposal now. And uh, it's incredible what, what, I don't know what, what larger women are called anymore. I, I mean, I don't have an issue with plus size. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I don't know, <laughs> higher end, uh, size. I don't, I don't know what to say because really it doesn't matter to me. The plus size is just whatever comes after large as far as I'm concerned. But, um, I know some people have issue with that. I personally don't. Um, I'm happy to say I'm plus size. I don't care <laughs> anymore. I don't care as long as I can buy clothes that are pretty and well, you know, that fit me and, um, and accentuate me, which is the way I want to purchase my clothes. I think some people just get them, you know, whatever, if you're, you know, gonna get them for work. Hell no. After decades of being overweight and deprived of fashion, <laughs> that ain't me. So, of course, once I had a little bit of money, I started buying a lot of clothes. Well, I pretty much only wear like compression pants or yoga pants and t-shirts and (laughs) flip-flops most of the time still um, because I was in school for a lot of the time when we first moved to Portland and that was most of my wardrobe. Uh, I really don't have nice places to go because uh, when I had bought a lot of these nice things that I could find at the time, uh, when I bought them, it was when my now... uh, ex-husband, when we were first dating, I, I bought all these things thinking, we're dating, we're gonna go out, we're gonna do things. Nope. Uh, <laughs> a lot of that did have to do, I mean, in fairness, a lot of that did have to do with the fact that um, he has three sons, and uh, the oldest was 16, the youngest was 10. So we had other things to concentrate on than dating. But it was kind of a it was kind of a uh, dynamic setter um, unfortunately and I think every time I went into the closet and saw these clothes I could finally wear and know that I had nowhere to wear them and no occasion to wear them and I had practically no friends in Orlando because I just couldn't click with people there Um, but anyway my point (laughs) going back to my point is, um, looking at all that fashion out there. And it's something that I've always wanted to do to, to design fashion, to not necessarily even for mass production, but just for myself to be able to, um, you know, grab the, uh, the dressmaker's mannequin start pinning some stuff up and put things together because i used to do that once upon a time i was constantly broke everything was going into my car um back in the day which which is the the irony of this is that so i had to buy a car in order to commute to my job and my job just barely covered the cost of the car does that sound familiar to anybody it's like same thing with rent and anyway, um, so I'd wanted to do a lot of the same things that these people are doing. I mean, granted, a lot of folks are sort of following, um, some, some very specific era sort of pattern guidelines. I mean, they're, you know, wonderfully painting outside the, the, the box and the lines and yeah, painting outside the lines. That's what I was looking for. Um, in terms of, uh textile choices in terms of um in terms of their own specific style, their own little um ways of tweaking these garments just so that they're they really have kind of that signature look. Um oblong box shop. I think it's a, I'm gonna put links in everything <clears throat> down at the bottom, but um They're a similar one. I I kind of remember, I feel like I remember early days of of their posts on Instagram and just sort of watching them grow and grow and grow. And just seeing this process for so many people, Tiki Tony, this is another one, you know, sort of seeing not necessarily early days, because he was out there well before I tripped over Tripped over the mass quantities of tiki people who are so wonderful. I so want to meet people in the, in the tiki world, but you know, when I was first, you know, first finding him on uh, on Instagram. I think it was just, you know, a few, a run of a few here and there. I could be wrong about this, but that's my perception of it. That, you know, for instance, uh, they had this like super iconic mermaid, uh, tiki mug of which I wanted one really badly. And now I've sort of slowed down the concept of spending money on extraneous things. But, um, I remember them being a small enough run that they would sell out pretty quickly from my recollection. And then you know over the over the years to see him announce that he was quitting his job his his like nine to fiver and going to be an artist full time. and the realization that all of these people are uh, are flourishing and I'm probably working their ever loving asses off because if you've ever even tried to start a small business, I mean, most of the reason I've read this many, many times because I've, uh, I have small businesses. I've run small businesses. Um, circumstances have always sort of taken the rug out from under me, but at the time that I run them, I run them well. I always make money. If I make something, I always sell something. So, Um, that isn't to say that it's great, uh, um, because I, I don't think anything that I've been making, um, is something that I either could logically continue to make, like, a lot of, like, beaded jewelry with little teeny tiny beads, um, something I used to do quite a bit, you know, make little beaded earrings and, um really, if I was going to want to do anything, quite frankly, in terms of making jewelry, I would want to learn silversmithing. I've always wanted to. Um, and maybe that's another thing that I'll take up one of these days, but, uh, more to the point, I, um, have been so inspired by watching these folks, uh, grow over time that, I'm really sort of looking at myself and knowing that I've been a creative person my whole life. There's I mean, there are two things. I'm going to say three things. Three things I have always been. Day one, always been. One, sleepy. (laughs) Yeah. Excuse me. That was probably really loud. But yes, I honestly can't remember not being sleepy. (laughs) I like... It's so rare that I'm not sleepy. That I honestly I can't remember the the times when I haven't been sleepy. Uh, you know, and there have been some times when I've been like super energized. And and it's not like oh you need to eat more protein or whatever it is. Um, your blood sugar's low. No, 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 no. All the protein is like right across the board. Everything's cool because you can't maintain gastric bypass tummy for 10 fucking years uh, without keeping a close eye on your food situation, close eye on your your diet. And when I say diet, I don't mean weight loss. I just mean your nutritional diet. If you're not watching out for that, if you're not getting some sort of physical exercise, um... I don't know what other kind of exercise that would be. But uh, if you're not getting exercise, you're not taking care of your nutrition. And I mean, there's a lot of other things, excuse me, that fall into there, into that basket, I guess I should say. But uh, golly, I totally lost my point there. Because I'm, I'm trying to go. I'm trying to go a little too fast, <clears throat> so I'm just going to pick it up here. Um, watching everybody uh, grow their businesses in front of me, and knowing that I've been a cre- oh yeah, sleepy, <laughs> sleepy uh, is the first one. The second one is uh no, what was I going to say? This Let's just say the second one. Oh, yeah. The second one is that I'm a witch. Uh, and when I say a witch, I don't even necessarily mean a Wiccan or a pagan. Although, you know, if if you were going to categorize my belief system, I suppose you could throw it in there. But, um, but not all witches are that. I mean, some of us just are. And um, like, for myself, I was just always of a mind to think that if I thought of something really, really hard, I could make it come true. And the first few times that I did uh, were really scary. And, and because it felt too abnormal, but I always felt abnormal anyway. But uh, <laughs> um, but now, you know, now I've just come to realize that, that magic is pretty much magic in terms of intentions is pretty much the same thing as the secret is pretty much the same thing as prayer. I mean if you just look at it, you know, sort of across the board that way. But um instead of praying to you know one theist anyway which <laughs> not gonna get into the I'm not gonna get into the deep dives of that it's not and yes I do believe Christ was a being and a great one and I um I have explored a lot of different religions I have I spent a great deal of time in Christianity really trying to and I posted something about this on uh on my Instagram on my personal Instagram uh that i really tried to find i really find to, to, tried to accept jesus into my heart and and spent years uh just not understanding why that couldn't happen well why it couldn't happen is because (laughs) i'm a witch (laughs) so it's just like so it had to be just you know conflicting in there all the time but the just no i'm not it's not like i'm walking around like stevie nicks all day every day not that that wouldn't be fun i don't get me i love swirly twirly loose and floofy skirts and whatnot but i also love a nice wiggle dress you know um my point being is that it's not about aesthetics, it's not about, I don't know, whatever fad or particular religious beliefs. It is really just a matter of intentions. And that's always been there. And it continues to be there. And so I'm just, you know, accepting it and calling it a witch. and that is a version of being a witch. That was a long explanation that I totally didn't mean to go into, but we will go into it some other time. And because I want to talk to other people who practice, <clears throat> and hopefully I can get some on here. Sorry about my throat. <laughs> it's a little, uh, it's a little funky outside. It's starting to get cold in Portland, and. Um, with the weather change, I tend to get a little froggy. Uh, (laughs) uh, I just pictured the the frog that waited for us at our door in Orlando. And I had just a little special moment there. But the third thing. So let's recap again. (laughs) The first thing I've always been is sleepy. The second thing I've always been is a witch. And the third thing that I've always been is creative. And uh, to the point where um, it was one of the first things that my mother decided was going to be uh, a little too heavily focused on uh, really early on. Um, uh, it, like, you know, for instance, I taught myself how to write for the most part. And and a lot of the way that I did that was just to look at the shapes of how my brother wrote uh, wrote his name which i think pretty much stayed the same throughout his life if i recall um, but he's still alive by the way um, <clears throat> but uh, so i taught myself how to i taught myself how to draw i taught myself how to write i taught myself how to sing um, and then you know about 5 years old yeah i was 5 4 5 somewhere around there <laughs> I think it was five. Uh, <clears throat> it was no more than five. Let's just put it that way. Uh, my mom bought an electronic organ to uh, to torment <laughs> everybody in the house. Uh, oh God, that just oh that that organ. Anyway, um, so she got free lessons from the store that she bought the organ from and so she decided she was going to give me those lessons and so there I am this five-year-old kid in a you know a swamp of swamp in a group of grown adults and we're all learning you know to play the organ and uh and again I was I picked it up so fast that I ended up having to go around to other people's (laughs) organs and teach them how to play and uh and the teacher would put me up in front of the class and and have me play. I remember the the most prominent song was Down in the Valley. So if you if you're not familiar with that song, then first bless your heart for being so young and then second, uh go ahead and look it up. It's not exactly the most uh uplifting song for a 5-year-old to spend a whole lot of time focusing on uh and then, of course, it became this sort of show pony thing. This, this, the organ stuff uh, became this real show pony thing for my mom because I was really good at it. So, anytime somebody would come over, I would have to play, and heaven forbid I make a mistake. And then the next thing I know, she's hiring somebody for private lessons, and I never said that I wanted them. So, it, it you know, creativity. Has uh, it has always been there, but there's always been some sort of um, interference, <clears throat> and me being, uh, having been like really kind of beat down early on. I'm sure you're starting to get an idea of where that came from, but uh, you know it wasn't all her. But there was a great foundation of I'm I'm worthless that that came with that, and and not worthless as a whole, but I'm worthless if I'm not entertaining people, I'm worthless if I'm not serving them, I'm, you know. Um, but yet, this kind of pride in my creativity was very um, confusing. And so a lot of times, the only thing I could control was not doing the thing that pleased my mom. And uh, until I learned that it pleased other people, and then it was just sort of, uh, well, what's the next thing I can learn how to do? And, you know, that was playing the drums. It was, um, well, more like a percussionist. I could, I could not do a set. I I couldn't sit down at a drum set and play. (laughs) Like I have, I have some drummer friends. Um, who i've seen them play and i marvel at their coordination and i just couldn't i it's not my jam uh and i would have loved to have been that kind of drummer um but i was more of a percussionist i I loved playing um, marimba and vibraphones and timpani and that kind of stuff. I took clarinet lessons. I took trumpet lessons. Um, I I mean, it goes on and on and on. I I won the Bank of America award for music in high school. Uh, I took. I was, like, always an A student in art, Um, and and once again, I mean, I was, when I went to college as well, um, I literally had three of my teachers standing in the art quad one day, uh, arguing over which, which of their disciplines I should be focusing on. One was drawing, one was pottery, and the other was theater. And uh, I don't even think my voice teacher got to, got to uh, insert his opinion on things because I had already really decided that a, a life in opera wasn't for me. Um, it was I think I was about 28 at the time when I was being told that if I you know took about seven years of lessons that I would absolutely be able to join an opera company and uh you know that was followed up by <sighs> they're very expensive the lessons are very expensive and you probably wouldn't be a lead maybe ever <laughs> you know because I was a mezzo soprano i'm probably more of an alto now but um i have kept up my practice so you never know um the problem, you know, aside from uh, the expense of the lessons and the length of time it would take me to be a part of that, uh, was the fact that as as I was going through the classes and uh, tuning my voice more to classical voice, I was finding that I was losing... I was losing the style of singing that made my heart, uh, full and that made, uh, that made me excited or made me, um, able to let some of my emotions out or able to, because they're so huge. My emotions are huge. Um, and yeah, that just, sorry, that just stopped me in my tracks. But yeah, it was, it was ruining my voice and, uh, not ruining my voice, but it was ruining me in my voice. Uh, I wasn't hearing me when I was singing arias. Although I still, like I said, I, I still love singing them. I just recently taught myself Queen of the Night. Um, I couldn't get, I couldn't get to, uh, to the true soprano registers, but I'm still pretty proud of where I got. Anyway, I think what I'm, what I just threw my glasses across the room. I think really what I'm trying to get at is there's been something pretty much always pottery, jewelry making. um, I can't even, oh, I made costumes for a while. I literally spent night after night after night, hand sewing individual feathers, uh, onto, um, a couple of people's just various costume pieces so that they could be, uh, Papagina and Papageno from the magic flute, a little tie in there. (laughs) Um, they were both opera singers and, uh, yeah, I've done so many things. Like as I'm talking to you right now, I'm going, Oh yeah, I did that. Like I worked at a loft at a law firm, um, for a few years. And, uh, in order to make a little extra money, because strangely enough, I did not make (laughs) the best money as a receptionist there, but, um, I would fix people's jewelry for them. So if they had like a beaded necklace or something like that, I would say, okay, if you've got something sitting in your, in your jewelry box, then by all means, bring it in, bring all the beads in. And, uh, if you want me to put it back the way, the way that it was, then I will do that. And, uh, if not, I will create a whole new necklace for you. And I think I charged like $15. It was, you know, reasonable. And I under, um, of course I undercharged for my time because I didn't know the value of my work. And then, uh, And then a little later on, I would make these, um, I used to like to draw letters with elements of of someone on the inside of each of the letter of their name. So, you know, since I often couldn't really afford something like birthday presents or Christmas presents, what I would end up doing is, uh, you know, drawing something, uh, making something. So that's what I had found. I was probably about 21. God, I'm so sorry. Um, so I would make these drawings and of course I would make them while I was waiting for phone calls when I was working on the, um, the phone bank and, um, and all of a sudden, you know, people started seeing them and I was getting paid $50 for one of these, each of them. And I think I sold maybe, um, just over a few months Maybe about six or seven of them, Uh, and I remember, you know, like walking into one of their house and seeing it framed and on the wall, and that was such a trip for me. And um, even in drawing class in college, to have someone buy one of my (laughs) pieces—we were in the same class—and I had done this really—I'm gonna say it was a. Decent drawing of David Duchovny, because this was really in the height of X-Files time. And uh, so I did this really great drawing of David Duchovny. It was huge, too. And she's like, I'll buy it off of you. And I think it was $75, again, devaluing my work. And, and uh, she took it home and put it in a frame. And and still that that shocks me that that people were taking my work home and putting it in a frame. Because again, I was often told that I just wasn't good enough. And of course, that led to me telling me that I wasn't good enough. And so here I am, oh my god, I actually got back back to the salient point, you guys. Can you believe it? So here I am all inspired by all these, all these people who are mean, at it every day. Eva from Criterology just Critterosity, sorry. <laughs> I went somewhere else there for a minute. Uh, Eva from Critterosity is, and I know there's a bunch of other folk that are kind of in the same realm as she is. They're kind of in the, the really cute um, small paintings and prints and things like that. And, and they're just so full of joy. And um, God knows we need more of that in the world right now. But, uh, you know, I watch how much these people put into their businesses and how much their creativity grows as they go. And I think the other thing is, Seeing their audience respond seeing all of these people's audiences respond to their work is so um uplifting and uh inspirational to me because again, even though I knew every time I've you know done something creative I've somehow made money off of it, which eventually I will on this podcast but um yeah. I, even though I know that information, I have, I would start something and somebody would say it was, oh, I love that. And then it would just shut me down somehow. Like, oh, well, I I can't keep going because then somebody's going to find out I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm sure that there's so many, uh, so many of you out there who feel the same, who have felt the same. And um, I think a lot of creative people either are usually kind of at one extreme or the other. I mean some folks you know, they go and get educated for God knows I wish I had gone to I had just I wish I had just gone to art school period um, because there's such a, a foundation of development that I that I never really got that again, I think is a lot of what stalls me and now not so much. It's not my, um, my sense of whether or not I can accomplish something and make myself happy with it and hope that other people are happy with it too. Um, that isn't a problem for me now. Right now I'm the stumbling block is that, I don't have a lot of the foundational aspects of the things that I want to do, and so I I feel, um, how like I've got my foot on the gas pedal, but I it's <laughs> but somebody's going, don't press it, don't even tap on it. It's like that kind of anticipatory, you know, like you know something's good, something good's going to happen once you just like once you know how to drive but the problem is is like I've got the car I've got the you know I've got this the idea of how to drive but I don't know how to drive so if you apply that to painting for instance uh, I've been really really diving into digital painting and trying to really learn how to utilize uh, procreate and uh, adobe fresco fresco yeah (laughs) Yeah, I almost said Fresca. I was gonna correct myself and say Fresca. Um, and if by chance Ben, you are listening to this podcast, uh, I still love the moment you learned out. Uh, you learned that Fresca was a diet soft drink. Oh my god, that was one of the best moments of my life just because of your reaction, Ben. It, it it wasn't because you had been slammed down in some way. It really was your incredulity as to the fact that this delicious drink that you love was <laughs> diet. Um but anyway, going back and trying to round out this uh this conversation with you folks before I uh say my final words. Um I don't have a foundation. I don't, I don't know how to layer color, like, you know, uh, start off with a a dark background and work your way forward with highlight, 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 or, you know, and I watch a lot of tutorials and I get the concept, but somehow I can't quite put it into practice. And I do want to move from digital to, um, to actual paint, I uh, I have always wanted to learn how to paint. I've always sort of, I've always sort of danced around it. Like I really like art on a uh, digital level. I always have, but um, but I also love the feeling of physically drawing or physically painting something that um, that textural experience that you have when you're. Um, Changing, say for instance, just changing, uh, pencils while you're drawing, um, you know, from hard, different levels of hardness or softness. Um, if you're using, you know, maybe a, a colored pencil that's a little more waxy than another, the way, it, the paper, you, you know, all of these different things, all of these different, um, sort of sensual experiences that, that go with, you know, doing something in the real world. Again, not to say digital art is not real, but when you're doing something in the physical plane. Uh, That's, both of those places are where I'm really struggling in terms of um, building that foundation. So I've been actually spending some time doing that. And it's not something I've ever really been able to afford myself up until, uh, you know, the... (laughs) The unending slam down of uh, of life, and uh, so that has really been some of my focus lately. Just sort of um, building those building those blocks and those that foundation that I started to learn in high school and got varying degrees of it in college but didn't nothing was ever really quite cohesive so putting all these pieces together and then taking a lot of tutorials online i've got <clears throat> i've got some skillshare going on i look for youtube tutorials um i think there was a, a another one like maybe craftsy uh that i've got going and um and i want to get my sewing back up. It used to be, I started to tell you this, it used to be that if I didn't have something to wear, that I would grab um, an older dress from my closet, something that I couldn't wear anymore to work because it was just a little too worn out or something maybe tore on it. And I would completely put like a new collar on it. I would take some other fabric that I had in my bedroom and just completely put a whole new neckline on a dress. And Um, just so I had something special to wear when I was going out with all of my friends who could easily just go buy a $20 dress at um, Contempo Casuals (laughs) or Foxmore for those of you once again who are old enough to remember. Um, Those those places were not an option for me. In fact, I would go shopping with my friends. I love this story because it should really tell you uh, a lot about me and how I felt about um, the exclusionary aspect of fashion when I was a young woman with a lot of uh, extra padding. We would go into Contempo Casuals, my friends and I, because they were all th- thin. That's <laughs> just not bandy about. They were thin. Uh, most of them still are. And uh, we would go into these stores to just, you know, browse or, or, you know, maybe pick up a a sweater or something like that for one of them. And of course, I'd be wandering around (laughs) with them. And uh, I finally got so tired of some, you know, small waif-like thing walking up to me (laughs) and very, like, almost freaked out, say, (laughs) just go... Um can I help you with something? Are you trying to find a specific size? And and at first I I mean I'm still offended quite honestly. Um, but after having worked at Lane Bryant for about a year, uh, I also came to realize that people would saunter into a store and just literally have no idea what the size range was. So, um, I don't understand what their big deal was, but once again, it was kind of like walking into the store for mean girls. And so I finally got to this point where I would just, I would just sort of go, um, I would like, grab something small, like a, a, a like a sweater cro- like a cropped sweater, um, that basically looked like it was for a six year old. So I would, <laughs> I would take it off of the rack, just waiting for, for one of them to, to come to me and go, are you looking for a specific size? And I would just hold it up and go, yeah, I'd like to go try this on. <laughs> Could I can I have a dressing room for this? And just watch their faces fall. (laughs) And then of course, you know, let them off the hook. But um, I hope I made my point with them. I'm like, no, I'm just waiting for my friend to try on her clothes. So um, I think that, you know, I think that pretty much uh, gives you some sort of an idea of where my brain is lately. Um, I'm sure you're sitting at home just wringing your hands and wondering (laughs) but if you're here then that means you cared enough to listen and of course I appreciate that I uh I'm really genuinely not doing this to hear myself talk in fact I actually recorded this episode I mean easily five times and the first one was uh it was before the first presidential debate, and it was the day before, and I had recorded this, I'm going to say love letter to America about how I would like to see our government move into a different direction of, I am a huge proponent of nonpartisan government. Um, I feel like all this fucking bickering, this just this past four years has just, I mean, seriously made me want to grab people's heads and clobber them together. I mean, especially after um, just the way things have gone down this year, my point being is not to support one side or the other. But just to say, and and this really was what the um, what the episode was supposed to be, was to say, you know, not just hey can't we all get along which would be awesome but um but more or less you know can we think less about our party and more about the people and and there were a few other you know thoughts and ideas and most of them were pretty neutral i'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me um Uh, Ben, (laughs) I guess this is the Ben episode. I'm almost positive my friend Ben would disagree with me. Um, But I unfortunately uh, am an empath. So feelings factor into just about anything and everything I do. And uh, the feeling around me is palpable. And um, the anger that each side is, is feeling toward the other is just unnecessary. it's just so completely unnecessary and and so is the imbalance of um, of everybody's perspective. I mean, anyway, I'm not gonna go back into it. My point being, as I had recorded this lovely episode and um, the the debate happened the next day and after watch after watching that I I couldn't post it. I, I just was so blown away by what we've sunk to. <clears throat> so uh, I decided not to post it. Maybe I will later down the road somewhere after well after election time. Um, because that's the other thing that's just been sort of sucking my energy is um, I, I'm sort of battening down the hatches inside most mostly just because Portland is kind of a hotbed of, I, I'm sure you've noticed <laughs> by now, because the only time we get on the news is, is when we're peacefully protesting and somebody attacks us. Or if, you know, uh, certain groups decide that they need to whip out their guns and start showing everybody what big ass holes they are. Anyway, bottom line is we are a very vocal city. And uh, I believe very firmly that there is going to be uh, civil unrest no matter what happens uh, during this election. So I've been battening down the hatches and um, getting kind of a little depressed. I am usually crammed into my 10 by 10 bedroom. Um, That's where I live most of my life. So um yeah, been feeling a little low about stuff like that, but I uh like I said, I am distracting myself with great things, uh creating new habits like putting my damn clothes away again and um I've always hung them up by the way. I've like my shirts and stuff like that. Let's not they're not all on the floor like they were when I was 20. Uh <laughs> um but, yeah, getting organized and decorating my space and uh, starting to really kind of look forward to a future that's that's also very new for me. and what I see in my future is uh more focus on my own business, especially the interior design i've Um, I had a really bad experience with my first client, and so it's, it was pretty disappointing, so I just kind of needed a little blow-off time from that. Um, It got really personal, and yeah, it was, (sighs) it was rough. So um, I really, really, really want to dive into my uh, design Uh, my design world, because um, product is really where my heart is. And uh, like I said, the more I see everybody out there really, you know, making their, making their work happen, make, you know, getting in, getting into people's homes, getting it into people's homes and um, making them happy or laugh or whatever it is and, uh, and being able to do what they want to do and earn money at it. It's not all about the earning money, but it does help when you're spending that much time (laughs) on, on things. And, um, and if somebody wants your work, they need to value it, of course. And on that note, I want to leave you all with uh, a little personal commercial. Um, my friend has just opened her business, her jewelry making business called Eternal Crafts, which you can find at Eternal Crafts. That's E-T-E-R-N-A-L-C-R-A-F, as in Frank, T-S, dot org. Uh, so you can find her work there, these gorgeous handmade, um, beaded, uh, they're, they look like rosaries to me. I think that she even uh, lists them as such, but, uh, by all means, please go to her site and take a look at these lovely pieces. Um, they're perfect for, if, if you give Samhain gifts, uh, for those of you who are of the witchy crowd, which some of you are, um if you give gifts on Samhain, which I like to do if I go to somebody's place for um, a celebration, some of these, some of these pieces are perfect Samhain gifts. Um, They would make great birthday gifts or Christmas gifts, or just, hey, you're pretty. And I would like to put more pretty things on you. And yeah, I do mean men as well. So, all of that having been said, by all means, please stop by eternalcrafts.org. It's not .com. (laughs) I think if you dial that up, you get sex toys. It's eternalcrafts.org. And you can also find this work on Instagram, of course, at eternalcraftsinc, I believe. At Instagram, once again, I will put the link down at the bottom. And uh, I think that about wraps it up for me today. And I really hope that this was at least marginally coherent. And I hope wherever you are, (sighs) that you're with someone you love, or you're at least happy being alone. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whoever you're with, I hope you're safe. And I hope you're healthy. And I hope you have happiness in your heart. And uh, whether I know you in person or not, I love you. Okay, thank you for coming by. Thank you for listening, and uh, I'll try to catch you soon. Thanks. Bye.